Today, I am really excited to be diving deeper on a topic that we started last week. We started a brand new sermon series. Does anybody remember the title? I know how, uh, how quick we forget things. The title of our message was, Who's the One Person That Paid Attention? Uh, we had a couple of y'all paying attention. It must have been good then, I guess. Uh, Holy Spirit good, maybe. But uh, So I'm excited to go deeper on this topic and talk about our God the Creator and how He made us. So today we are going to be continuing that message, Shaped by God, Part 2. And so we have to remember that we are children of God. You have to remember that you are a child of God. God deposited himself into you when he formed you, when he made you, when he fashioned you. In the 15th chapter of Jeremiah, just like in the, the 15th chapter of Jeremiah, we are the clay, and, and God is the potter, right? He, he molds us, he forms us, he fashions us, he created us before, it says, before we were preordained to be children of God. And because we're children of God, that means we should live, act accordingly. Because that's what breaks my heart, is that there are so many children of God living less than we're quick to forget. See, the enemy knows that you are a chosen child of God. And he hates that about you. And he attacks us as children of God. He attacks our purpose. He attacks your anointing. He attacks your gifting. And if you forget that you've been crafted by the Most High, you might walk away. You might lay it down. You might say, is this really worth it? This is getting too hard. And so I hope this message encourages us and continues to challenge us to keep running for Jesus Christ. Who wants to run with me? Amen. We need to be running, especially in these last days. The church needs to be ready, equipped, and, 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 and have faith-filled faith of fire that says, you know what? I believe, I know, I trust who my God is. Right? And so because we've been shaped by God, we are children of God. That makes us worthy. That makes us valuable. Tell your neighbor, you're worthy. Tell your other one, you're valuable. Because you're a child of God, that means you are worthy. You have value. The King of Kings preordained you and calls you His. See, because if we don't see and remember that God shaped us, if, if we don't see and remember that I've been formed and shaped by him, something's going to happen, and that thing that's going to happen is you're going to begin to be molded and shaped by other things. We have YouTube shaping our children. We have Netflix Shaping our children. And as we as parents can see what's happening to our children, God as our heavenly parent sees what's happening to us, to his children. And when you let the lie creep in that says, I can't, I'm less than, you forget who you are in the eyes of God, you begin to be formed and shaped by other things that are not truth. You buy the lie. You begin to live less than. Right? And so who wants to be shaped by God? I want to I let him be the shaper and the molder. Right? I just want to be the empty vessel. I want to be the clay, and I want to let the potter have his say-so and have his, his, perfect, his perfect plan and purpose be manifested uh, in my life, in my family's life, in my ministry, in and through this church, in and through our community. Right? And so we need to be ready, willing vessels, instrument of righteousness for his glory. So we use the... We use the scripture out of Psalms for our foundational scriptures. We, we kicked this off last week. It comes out of Psalms 139, verses 13 and 14. And it says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Somebody highlight that. Underline that. Write that down. There's your reminder right from the word of God. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and how well my soul knows. The thing as we read that scripture, we have to remember we've been fearfully and wonderfully made, that he formed even the inward parts of us, the things that I can't see, the things that I don't know are there yet. 
We have an idea of the things we're good at. We have an idea of the things we're not good at. But God, he formed us. He fashioned us just the way we're supposed to be. Our God personally invested himself. In us. Our God personally invests himself in all of creation. In Genesis 1, it says that we were created in God's image. There's a piece of him in every single one of us, in every single one of you, that he deposited, that he personally invested as he formed and made you. The cool thing about God is when he creates something, he leaves his, his impressions, his impartation, he leaves his, his fingerprints on the good things. When you begin to testify about how good your God is or, or how good Jesus is, when you share that with somebody else out there in the world, what happens? That, that, that's God's fingerprint on your life that says, this is my child. He's been molded. She's been molded, shaped for my glory. And when that happens, we can't help but share it, right? You know what's, what's so cool and mind-blowing is that just as God preordained us with our gifts and talents and the things that you have in your life, God, he preordained us just the same as he, he ordained creation, as he, as he spoke the world into existence, as he spoke light, as he, as he spoke the animals and spoke the moon and spoke the, the sun, the S-U-N, not S-O-N, and the sky and the ocean. I had this thought, you know what's funny? All those things don't argue to God about what their purpose is. They just do. <laughs> When God tells us our purpose and tells you that you're a child of God, why would you argue or say not yet or say, how's this going to happen? We need to simply be the hands and feet of Jesus and be how and live how he has ordained us, right? Look at that first recap point. I've kind of already said this in about 10 different ways, but this is what we said last week. We are shaped by God. We have a divine DNA. Our bodies, souls, and spirits have been uniquely shaped by God. You are not an accident. You were created on purpose for a purpose. God divinely created you for him to give him joy. He, he created us on purpose with a purpose. You know what the most depressing thing, most depressing way to live is? Somebody who feels like they have no purpose. That's no way to live. I've lived that way. B.C., before Christ, when I was lost in my, my addiction to drugs and to alcohol, I, I felt like I didn't have a purpose. I felt like, why do I even need to be here? I had the thoughts, the suicidal thoughts. And see, there's a, a big new way of thinking, a big new movement in our world that says, you know what? Life is whatever it is you want it to be. There's, there's no plan. There's no purpose. Live the way you want. Talk the way you want. Do what you want. You know what? That sounds a lot like the devil. You know what devil worship is? You know they actually don't worship or pray to the devil. They, they, the devil worshipers say just worship your self. Do what I want. Say what I want. Get mine. That's evil. And God wants to re for us to remember today and this morning that you have a purpose. God has a plan, right? Do we know the answers? But that's why we need our faith. We're never going to get so spiritually mature that we're ever going to outgrow the need to have faith, right? And so our shape, the way God shaped us is that we need to, we need to have faith, but we need to know that God has divinely crafted us. You have divine DNA flowing through your veins. The blood of Christ, if you want. If you've been set free, redeemed, if he's your Lord and Savior, you have divine DNA flowing through your veins. Look at Colossians 1.16. We gave this to you last week. I just want to remind us, the scripture, it says, you were made by God and you were made for God. In him you have life. When you, when you find your purpose in him, guess what happens? You have life. You have joy. When you find your purpose in him, you come alive. The dead man arises like we sung about this morning. 
the Spirit sets you free. And you begin to see God's hand over every part of your life, all the good things that God is in, the things that I need to be uh, believing God for, and the doors that he's opening, right? Because you were made by God, and you were made for God, and in him you have life. We said last week that our shape is the same shape as Christ's. Christ did that scripture. He knew he was made by God. What did he do while he was here? He lived for God, and because of that, guess what? He has eternal life. In the same way, we're, we're molded in that same shape. God says, if you live for me, if you see me as Lord, as you, if you see me as your creator, you will have life here, and afterwards, one day when you die and pass away, you will have eternal life because of your faith in my son. So God has created every person on purpose, with a purpose. We all have something to do for the kingdom of God. You have something to do. If you don't know what it is, begin to seek him, begin to pray, begin to ask. I bet you he'll begin to start downloading some things into you and start speaking to you and showing you what part of your plan and what part of your purpose is that he has for you. Look at that next point, our, our last recap point, and then we'll get to the new part of our message today. So we said understanding our shape for life and ministry is important because no one can do what you can the way that you can. Y'all remember that uh, there was a song uh, they used to have in the old, um, was it the Army commercials, right? Be all that you can in the Army. I'm going to add something of God. I said last week I'm not a good singer, but y'all got to hear me sing again two weeks in a row. So be all that you can be. Why are you trying to live like Billy Bob across the street? Or Billy Bob at work? Or like Lyndon Lou across the street? Or Lyndon Lou at work? God made you, you. There's only one of you in the entire world. So are you living that way? And I don't mean in a, in a cocky, a, uh, a, a confidence is something we need to walk in, but not in a way that, that repels people. Right? Be confident in a child of God of who you are. Be confident in your gifts. Be confident in those things that God's spoken over you. And you'll begin to draw people onto you. See, arrogance repels people. But your confidence in the Lord is knowing that God's the one that formed you. That the things that you are good at are from God. Right? The things that you have in your life are from God. And when you do that, you begin to honor him. Right? So that's how God calls us to live. Right? So be all that you can be. When we, here's the thing, when we, when we don't live that way, when we, when we fail to understand how God has made us, we forfeit that calling. When you fail to see God is the one that made you, and you're trying to do things like somebody else or whatever, you forfeit that true calling that God has called you to. I believe that saddens God. The kingdom of God suffers when that happens. Your ministry suffers when that happens. Your, your joy is plucked from you when that happens. Right? So today what we're going to do is, let's go ahead and look at that next point. And for the next couple weeks, we are going to, to help us remember, so we don't do that, forfeit our calling. If I had forgot who Ian was, who God made Ian to be, Y'all know what? I could have forfeited my calling as a campus pastor. Y'all could have somebody else standing in my spot. And you know what? If you forfeit your calling, God will replace you. Y'all remember Saul and David? See, Saul began to make it all about himself, and God said, okay, I have somebody. And so, excuse me, in order for us to Remember, we're going to use this little acronym. All of our CR folks give it hallelujah because we use a lot of acronyms at CR, right? And it's a quick way, an easy way for us to remember our shape and how God made us, right? So look at that point. It says, your divine shape can be discovered through five specific attributes, and we're going to look at those in the next couple weeks. And so the word shape gives us an acronym to easily remember we're shaped by God. And so it's important that we ask God how he's made us and what he's given us. Because he's made us, because he loves us, he also equips us. Did you know that? And so we're going to go through the first two today. Uh, the first, we're going to go through S and H. 
today, and then we'll, we'll probably wrap it up uh, next week. And so th- because he's molded us and given us things, let's look at that next point. That first letter is S, and what does it stand for? Spiritual gifts. So I want to talk a little bit about that today. Because God doesn't just make us and, and then say, okay, good luck. Our God is so good, he makes us, and then he gives us gifts. He equips his children to do what they're called to do. Right? And so the first S is for spiritual gifts. There are three kinds of spiritual gifts. We're going to look through scripture. And so there's actually, did you know this? There's gifts that the word says is from the Father. And then there's gifts that Christ gave. And then there's also spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit himself gave us. Because it's so amazing that our God is, he's three in one. And each part has a little say in how we've been divinely crafted and the things that he's divinely given us. Right? And so our God, he, he loves to give gifts. So let's, let's look at Romans 12, 6 through 8. So this first passage of Scripture is going to be about the gifts that the Father has given us. Okay, verse 6, it says, In his grace, God the Father has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So these are some gifts that the Father has given us. Some of us are bent extra hard in certain areas, certain gifts, that the Lord has, has given us. Some, some, some of us are stronger in one area and weaker in the other area. And as we pray and ask God our shape, how he's formed and made us, we need to be asking him what gifts he's given us because God wants you to be living and operating in your purpose. Right? Because when you live and operate in the purpose that God has for you, what happens? It doesn't become a job. Right? Living, God doesn't want you living for God to be some job that you do or some act that you put on. He wants you to have joy, love, peace, all those things in your gifting because when you're doing what you love, it won't be a job. Right? And so these gifts are the gifts that the Father has given us. Right? I'm going to list them for you. So it says he gave us prophecy, serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, and kindness. So those are gifts that we need to be asking for. The things that I'm already walking in, doing, I need to continue to walk in and do. And do you know, if, if, if you feel like you don't have the certain particular gift, do you know all you have to do is ask? And he'll give it to you? In a moment, he can give you a gift. You can walk in a gift that, that you need for that moment, for that person, for that, that time, for that place. Right, and he can give it to us. Look at Ephesians 4.11. So these are the gifts that Christ gave, it says. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. We call this at Liberty Church the five-fold ministry gifts. And I believe each and every believer is at least one of these five things. Some believers can walk in all five, right? And so you need to be asking God, what one, what one of five of these things am I? Am I a prophet? Am I an evangelist? Am I a pastor? Am I a teacher? I know for some of us that can seem intimidating, right? God leads you along the way. I never thought I was going to be a pastor ever. Now it's three years later right? You may sit there and think, I can't teach a class. You're not the one doing it. (laughs) I'm not the one that's been doing this, praise God. It's been the Spirit that has led us to where we are, right? And so it says the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, apostles, they are sent messengers of God. You may be called to, to travel, to plant churches, to speak truth, right? Prophets, I know that sounds kind of mystical, 
a prophet of God is, is really just being available, hearing the voice of God, being in God's word. The, 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 excuse me, the, the role, the, I don't want to call it a position, the gifting of a prophet isn't to, to, to tell fortunes or, or future telling. Sometimes that can happen. But really the role of the, the prophet is to edify the church, to keep the church in check. Come on, somebody. To remind the church to be walking and speaking in truth and in love. And, and the role of a prophet is also to edify the body, to build up is what that means. Right? So you could be called to be a to be a prophet. And I said any gifting can happen in a moment. There'll be a moment, there's been moments where I'm not like called prophet, but there have been moments at encounter weekends. There have been moments when I meet people doing my job or at Walmart where you know what the word the Lord gives me a word. And in that moment, I have the gifting of a prophet to help edify and encourage another believer or non-believer. That's the cool thing about getting of a prophet. They, they can actually draw unbelievers onto God by speaking in truth and speaking in authority. Evangelists. Evangelists have to have a heart and a passion for people and for God. You ever met somebody that all they do is talk about Jesus, 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 Jesus. I love Jesus, but I talk about football too. And I talk about the weather too. I talk about other things. Real evangelists, man, they, they don't really say much, nothing other than about, about, about God and Jesus. You know what? Anybody met somebody like that, right? That's probably an evangelist because they know who their God is. And I'm not saying if, if you talk about more things than Jesus that God's not your, your Lord and Savior. He is. But the evangelism just comes out of them. They just want to win souls. So is, is, is that you? Is that part of your shape? Pastors. Really, pastors have to walk in all of these roles. And, and pastors, they have a heart for people. that They have to, they have to lead the sheep, right? They got to gather the sheep. They got to love on the sheep. They got to answer phone calls at 3 in the morning. They, they got to go make house visits. They, they, they got to be in their word. They got to be speaking truth. They got to be spiritually growing so that they can help others spiritually grow. Right? All leading people to Jesus. And teachers, we need wise teachers that are walking in the full authority and the power of the Spirit of God. Because if y'all pay attention to the news, they got teachers teaching our kids some crazy things. Right? So we need children's teachers in the church. We need teachers for adults in the church. If God's done something in your life and you love the Word of God, you may be called to teach and help Lead and guide other people. There's no better calling. There's no better anointing than helping other people spiritually grow. Right? Isn't it amazing how God gives us those five-fold ministry gifts? I believe it's to help the church cover its blind spots. Right? When all these five-fold ministry gifts are operating and working at their full potential, there's not a blind spot in that church. Right? The church is being edified. The church is going out in the community. It's winning souls. It's equipping and empowering believers in the word and the truth of God. It's raising people up in wisdom and teaching and training and equipping. And so this is how Liberty Church tries to model itself. Are we perfect? No. But this is God's plan. This is God's model. And we're trying our best. Who wants to try our best with me? Right? So ask God, Lord, where do I fit in into your gifts from, from, that's the gifts from Christ, from the Son. Amen. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. We're going to give you the Holy Spirit gifts. And so it says, these are the different kinds of spiritual gifts, but they come from the same Spirit, it says. The same Spirit is the source of them all. Y'all go ahead and skip down to verse 8, Drew, for time here. And so it says, these are the gifts that the Spirit has given. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge, and that same Spirit gives great faith to another. And someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether the message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. And still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages. While another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit that distributes these gifts. He alone, somebody say alone, decides which gift each person should have. So there was a lot there. I'm going to go ahead and list them for you. So it says that we just read the Spirit gives wisdom, special knowledge, a special type of faith, 
Healing, power to perform miracles. I want that gift, right? Come on, let's park the sea in Jesus' name. Let's pave that parking lot like now in Jesus' name, right? The power to perform miracles. There is prophecy again. Did you notice that prophecy is the one that is in all three of gifts from the Father, the Son, and the Spirit? Prophecy is the only one that's in, in all three. Discernment, unknown languages, and interpretation. Y'all, we need these gifts, and here's the good news. God has freely given them. All we have to do is ask. Some of y'all may already be operating, performing in these gifts, and God wants to continue for us to do that. And God has given us gifts for a reason. He shaped us for a reason, right, because he wants to equip us for such a time as this. There's never been a more important time than right now for the church to be alive, to be empowered, to be equipped. Your shape is so that God can get the glory, so that we can win souls, expand the church, the holy church, not the building, but the people, so that God can love on his people. So look at that next point. So God has given these spiritual gifts to help who? Say that one more time. Who? Okay, I was just checking. It wasn't for you, right? Now, I said that your gift will give you joy. Yes, it will. But chase the giver, not the gifts. Gifts are cool. Gifts are great. But don't worship the gifts. Worship the giver because they're not for you. They're for him and for others. Right? These gifts are supernatural. You didn't earn or learn these gifts. You have a responsibility to steward the gifts for the purpose of God. The cool thing is we didn't earn the gifts and, and the anointing and the talent that God has over each and every one of us. Each and every one of our gifting is, is different than others. Sometimes we have the, can have the same gifting. We talked about that last week a little bit. There are people... There are, is there just one pastor in the world? No. But not everybody is a pastor, right? So we need to figure out how God made me, and then I need to get, surround myself with other people that have the, the same calling and the same gifting. So that because when I run with others that are called and gifted and anointed to do the same thing I am, man, more, three can accomplish more than one. right? Five can accomplish more than Three. Jesus started with 12. Come on, somebody. Right? And so when we, when, when, when we do that, the purpose of God is then stewarded. You recognized that your gifting came from God. You want to get better at that. Allow God to continue to do it through you. And being a good steward of that is, is, is asking God about my gift, asking God how I can use this gift. Because there are people that are doing things that God put in them, a gift that God gave them, and guess what? They're not doing it in the name of Jesus. Right? We have football players that have a gift from God. Basketball players that can do amazing things only because they were gifted by God. We have singers that were blessed, gifted by God, and, and guess what? A lot of those folks, not all of them, but they're not doing it for the purpose of God. They're doing it for the glory of self. Are they being good stewards of that gift? No. Here's the cool thing. No matter what you do, if you are a professional athlete, I don't think we have any here at LCHP. Maybe we will one day. Maybe little Bodie or little Xander will uh, be like quarterback for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Yeah. That'd be pretty sweet. Or maybe the president of the United States. But, and, and, and so if you have, if you have that gift and you're not being a good steward of that gift, Lord, help me. I just lost train of thought. Help me, Holy Spirit. Somebody help me. What was I talking about? That's... Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. And uh, that has not happened in a while. But And so if we have that gifting, let's give it back to God. Right? If you have that gifting... That's what I was going to say. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So we don't have any professional athletes here at Holly Pond, but we probably have some carpet layers. We probably have some plumbers. We might have some electricians. We got one bug man. 
It doesn't matter what you do if you're not currently using it for the glory of God. Guess what? You can begin to do that for the glory of God. Be the best plumber in Jesus' name. Pray for your customers. Do your best job at that customer's house. It doesn't matter what you do. God gets to redeem it and get the glory for it. Right? That's how we become good stewards of the gift that God has given us. Look at Proverbs 18, 16. I love this. It says, a man's gift makes room for him. That's a thought. Uh, A man's gift makes room for him, and it brings him before great men. See, God can use your gifts to create positive influence with man. And guess what? The church needs positive influence with man. The church, y'all agree with me, says needs to shine in these, in these days. That's why we're here, right, Rob? Right? And so for God, he, he, he wants those gifts not to have the gifts. He wants the gifts to be used for him to enhance our positive influence with souls. So the church needs to walk, operate in these gifts. Right? Look at that next point on gifts. We're going to roll on to H. You are gifted according to God's purpose for your life. Spiritual gifts are tools that help define your divine shape. What I love about God's, God's gifts is they come hand in hand with the way he made us. So God made you a certain way. You're good with people. Or God made you a certain way. Maybe you're not so good with people and, and relationships are a stretch for you. But the gifts that he gave you the, from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they actually go hand in hand with the way God made you. Do you see that? Because our God's perfect, right? Who believes our God's perfect? He, we said last week, if he's perfect, he don't make trash. And so if he's the divine architect of, of our lives and, and creation, then I'm pretty sure he's probably going to equip you with the gifts that you need for your personality. Equip you with the gifts that you need for your anointing or for your ministry, or for your vocation, because he's perfect. And when God's perfect divine plan and purpose gets married with God's perfect divine gifts, guess what happens? Man, you got winning, you got disciple-making, uh, 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 devil-stomping, kingdom-expanding, stomping machines. Come on, somebody. right? Children of God, alive in the purpose of God, come alive. And his spirit's made, made real and, and, and tangible and purposeful in our lives. Right? We begin to win souls, make disciples, destroy the works of the devil. Right? Devil stomping, kingdom expanding, soul winning machines. Any machines in the house? Right? This is how we find favor with God and with man. When I live on purpose, in my purpose, using the gifts that God gave me. Because I love God. Right? Look at that next point. Moving on to H. So the H for our acronym is heart. So we got S for spiritual gifts. And H, heart. We're going to talk about heart is really another word for passion. And the way God made you to give you a heart and the things you're passionate and the desires that you have. And so God has given you a unique and divine heart and passion that sets you apart. We said last week when God forms us. When he, when he made us in our mother's womb, he consecrated. He set us apart for him. Holy means literally set apart. He made you holy. He divinely crafted you. And so what happens is our hearts, our passions, our desires apart from Christ are evil. Why do we need a Savior? Because we're all sinners. And this is one of the main reasons people forfeit their gifts and their talents and and they do things in their own name and not in Jesus' name because their hearts and their passions and their desires are evil. And so what happens is when when you've been born again, who's ever been born again? Any born again believers in the house? If you've been born again online, put that in the chat and say, I'm a born believer. When you're born again, what happens? God's spirit moves in here. And he begins to transform and change those evil desires for good. Maybe that musician that was singing for self, was singing for money, was singing for sex, was singing for drugs, was singing for violence, 
is now they get born again, and now they say, I've been, I have this gift, and now I'm going to sing and praise the King of Kings. Because when we get redeemed and set free, born again, God's desires become our desires. He begins to set us apart. Look at Psalms 37, 3 through 4. And it has to always start with God. Imagine that. But here's what it says. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So if you first trust God, have a relationship with God, if you've been redeemed, if your desires, your heart, your passion, your life has been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and your desires are good and pure, it says he'll give you those. He'll give you those. That's a pretty awesome promise. Our hearts and passions, apart from God, like I said, are evil. In Christ, he changes and refines our heart's desires. Ian never wanted, I shared this last week, never wanted, thought, dreamed I would be a pastor. But I shared last week that I remembered when I went to college, my actual major was communications. My desire, my, my evil uh, desire, my plans, purpose for self was to have my own morning rock or my own morning radio talk show. And so that, that desire that I had was in here. I could have used it for all sorts of whatever. But God redeemed that desire when I got born again, and now it gives me a microphone every Sunday. And y'all got to sit and listen to me talk about whatever else or forget about what I wanted to talk about whatever else like I did this morning. Right? And so that's just a perfect picture of God, right? That was still a gift that he gave me before. And all it took was Christ to unlock the potential. Submit your gift, your life, your calling to Christ, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Look at the next point. It says, your heart, your passion separates you for a specific purpose of God. It enables you to live an extraordinary life for Jesus Christ. Your divine shape releases joy. Somebody say joy. Say it real joyful. Joy. Because it allows you to tap into your creative purpose. The amazing thing about your heart and your passion is it creates hunger and momentum for the good things. When you're living in your purpose, when you're following God, it creates hunger and momentum. Positive things begin to happen. And I don't know about you, but I like to have some joy in my life. And when I'm experiencing momentum and I have a good, passionate hunger for the things of God, I have joy. And so maybe the key to our joy that we're all looking for, because we're looking for happiness and joy in all the wrong places, right? Give me an amen on that. We look for it in all the wrong places. If I would just see that my joy is locked up in my purpose and the plan that God has for my life, we could, we could live and walk and talk in joy. But we got to submit those things onto him, right? It says your divine shape releases joy because it allows you to tap into your creative purpose. God is the creator, right? So think of this. God's a creator. We're created in his image. We also are creative. So God wants you to, why does he want you to live in your, 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 the things that you're good at and live in the, the passions, the things you're passionate about? Because, not just because you're good at them, but because they give you joy and because he made you to create. And the church needs to be creative in these last days. We need to get creative. We need to use all the tools available to us to preach the gospel. We need to, I'm not a big fan of, I use social media, but it can, it, there's, there's pros and cons to everything, right? The church, y'all, we need to be using social media to its fullest for Christ. If the church doesn't use it at all, we're not gaining any momentum, we're falling behind. I believe the church needs to be top of the line. We need to be using technology for his glory, top of the line. Because the devil is using top of the line stuff, right? Do you think that God wants his children of God to have top of the line stuff? As long as we're doing it in a pure heart, pure desires, and a pure motive, then God will bless it. Right? So when you chase your passions and live in your purpose, God gives us 
joy to do those things. Look at Psalms 28, 7. It says, The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust Him with all my heart. We're talking about hearts and desires, right? So he says, I trust Him with all my heart, and He helps me, and my heart is filled with Imagine that. So you're saying, Pastor Ian, if I first trust God, he'll help me. And then because I've been helped, I'll experience what? Joy. You can't chase joy first. You've got to chase him, and then the joy follows, right? Man, the word of God's good, right? It's so simple. It's so plain. We get it backwards, upside down, and all messed up, and God says, no, trust me. And I'll help you, and the joy you seek will be yours in your heart, your passions, your desires. And it says, I burst out in songs on Thanksgiving. When you know God has blessed you, man, you can't help but celebrate, right, the good things. When we submit our heart and passions to God, you reap joy. The Lord showed me our joy is directly connected to our hearts. And so if you don't have any joy today, where have you placed your heart? If my joy is directly connected to where my heart is, if I don't have joy, I misplaced my heart somewhere. I gave it to someone, person, place, or thing that didn't have my best interest. Here's the good news. You can give it to him. You can have peace and joy today. Right? Look at that next point. I'm about to wrap up here. And so as we're seeking, asking, praying God through this sermon series on how God's made us, asking God how he shaped us, the gifts that he's given us, there's a, a way for us to focus as we ask God, and it's real simple, it's real quick, it's real easy, just three simple questions that help show you the passions that God has placed inside you. And the questions are these three questions. So the three questions that identify your passion and heart. What makes you sad? What makes you glad? And what makes you mad? I know those are real simple, easy questions, but if you think about it, when, when you ask yourself those questions, you'll begin to see the things you're passionate about, right? If I just think of those questions, you know, what, what makes me sad? What makes me sad? When I, now that we're parents and Xander's still so little and Bodie's not quite born yet, what makes me sad is knowing that there's so many parents that are not raising their kids in truth. And it's not even the child's fault. And it may not even be the parent's fault if they're totally living in ignorance. But that makes me sad. Because I had great parents that did everything for me except for raise me in the truth of God, really. I mean, we identified as Christians, but we only came to church at Christmas and, and Easter. That was about it. And I went through so many hard things. Now, I made the choices, but y'all almost died. And when I think what happened to me, that how many of these kids are going to go through so many hard things? That makes me sad. So now that's a passion, right? That's a desire that God can use to fuel me, to give me momentum, to chase a vision. So what am I doing to help make that better, right? We're, we're raising, y'all, our kids' ministry, we're running like almost 20 kids a week. Praise, that's on y'all. Bless them parents in Jesus' name. But that's 20, that's 20 less souls, right? 20 less kids that are getting poured into. What makes me glad? What makes me glad? When I see somebody, when that light bulb goes off in their head, when they, I don't want to say it, but they, they get it. The Spirit of God has met with them. When they say, you know what? Man, I had it all wrong. I had it all backwards. And what happens is they come alive. And they begin, the Word of God begins to come alive to them. And, and they begin to receive from God. And they get so, what? They get so excited. That's what makes me glad. And what are we doing? We're running celebrate recoveries. We're doing church on Sundays. I, I, anybody that will listen to me, if I'm 
Monday through Friday out doing work or if I'm at Walmart on Saturday or Sunday, whatever I'm doing, if the Holy Spirit gives me a moment, I share who God is and what he's doing, right? That's the thing that makes me glad. That's a desire. That's a purpose. That's a, that's a drive that God has placed in me. What's yours? What's yours? Last one, what makes me mad? Man, there's a lot that makes us mad these days, right? We all love being mad. There's a lot to get mad about. I guess one of the biggest things that makes me mad is the lies. The perpetual lies. From the world, from the media, from people who think they have a a reason to even speak out on something they know nothing about, and that lie becomes what? Truth. The world has bought lies and exchanged it and called it truth. And that's what makes me the most mad. Because that really lines up with what makes me sad is because that is killing our kids. Our kids are going to be raised in lies, and they try to explain to that, that kid that that's not true. It's making it harder on people, parents, on the church. And so what makes me mad is I know every Sunday I'm going to speak truth to whoever walks through the doors of this church. And I'm going to do something about taking the fight to the enemy because the enemy's not going to give up. Right? So what makes you mad? The things that make you happy, sad, and glad. And mad. Excuse me, I gave you four. (laughs) Sad, glad, and mad. Ask God what they are. Look at Galatians 5.24. I said God redeems our hearts and redeems our passions. And so that happens when we belong to Christ. And so those who belong to Christ have been nailed, have nailed, excuse me, the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. The thing, three things I just shared with you. Have those passions, desires been crucified with the blood of God? Yes. How do I know that? Because when God changes your life, his things that make him mad, sad, and glad become the same things that make you sad, mad, and glad. Does it break God's heart that Children all over the world are being raised in lies. Yes, it makes him mad. It breaks his heart. Does it make God glad when somebody comes home out of their pigsty and begins to worship the king? You better believe it. Heaven rejoices. Right? When you've nailed yourself, your passions, your desires, your gifts to the cross, his desires become your desires. And his purpose comes alive, and the children of God come alive. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all join us in prayer this morning as we close. First thing I want to do is if you are born again, and you know Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, I want you right now to please pray for the lost. Pray for the lost world. I want to pray over us as a church and a congregation today here in the sanctuary and online. and So, Lord, I thank you for who you are and for your word, and we just seal your word and your purpose and your gifts over us today as we talked about it and opened your word together. God, let us be hungry and diligent in figuring out and asking you how you've made us, how you've shaped us, and the gifts that you've given us, and how we can use those giftings and the shape to magnify you. The way the world gets better is that Christians magnify Christ. So I pray we will walk in magnification power in Jesus' name. Magnified, magnifying Jesus' power to show the world who you really are. In Jesus' name. Y'all stay in prayer. I want to ask you and invite you, if you're here today in our sanctuary, or you're joining us, watching us online today, And Jesus Christ is not your Lord and personal Savior. I say personal because when you invite God into your life, it's personal. 
and he'll begin to change your heart. The sins that maybe you secretly enjoy right now, when the King of Kings comes and lives in your heart, you'll begin to see it as evil, wicked. It'll, it'll hurt your spirit. It'll hurt your heart. And so when he becomes your personal Savior, that's when your life begins to change. And so if you want your life to change for the good, if you got a lot of hard things staring you in the face, if you don't have any joy, if you're depressed, if you're sad, that hurts God's heart. He wants you to know today you're a child of God. God is saying, I love you. I want to forgive you. I want to redeem you. I, I want you to invite my son right now to come live in your life, in your heart, and have residence with you today. So if you want to make that decision, no one's watching you right now. No one's looking at you. But I want to ask you to do something for me. If you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today, I want you to stand up right now. Physically stand up all across the sanctuary. I don't care where you're sitting. Hallelujah, there's people standing. Hallelujah, no one's looking at you. I want you just to listen to my voice and focus on Jesus. I want you to know that God loves you. He's bigger than your past, than your sins, than your failures. He loves you so much. It says that he formed you and fashioned you in your mother's womb. And today, he's going to redeem that purpose for your life. God is celebrating and heaven is rejoicing. Liberty Church is rejoicing right now. Amen. If you're making that decision online, I want you to put something in the check. If you stand and continue to stand, I want to lead us all in a prayer. How awesome. Let's say it loud and proud today. Heaven the Father, God, we love you. We believe in you. And we confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior over my life. Forgive me of my past. Redeem my future. Send your Holy Spirit to lead my life until you call me home. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody shout. Give a shout in this place. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Y'all may be seated. Hallelujah. So awesome. That's why we do what we do. That makes me glad. That makes God glad that the kingdom of God just grew by souls, real people with real lives, with real gifts, with real problems. It doesn't matter. God's kingdom is advancing in Jesus' name. Amen. Who's glad you came to church today? Man, I'm glad you came. But uh, we love you guys. Y'all invite somebody to church next week. We got Easter coming up. Okay, so y'all enjoy today. Enjoy the rest of your week. Love you. Y'all are dismissed.